And welcome back to Couch Potato Radio here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. As promised, and yes, I guess for these little small towns around here, we go on to bigger and better things. John Fish from my hometown of Barnesville, out in Seattle, a longtime journalist doing a lot of sports journalism out there. John, you covered, I mean, the Seahawks and all that during the heyday too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, uh, I've been out here for since 2007, so... Uh... I had actually left the, the Seattle Times just before they the Seahawks made their their Super Bowl run, so uh, I actually was there for most of the bad seasons. But yeah. uh, I think I uh, I think they they gained gained a little bit better uh, I don't know better teams after I took off. Maybe I was their, their good luck charm leaving the, the Times or something. <laughs> you, you got the T Jack anyway. I mean, so you you got to see that era. Yeah, the pre, the yeah, pre, but- the pre Russell Wilson era is what you got to experience. <laughs> yeah, I saw the uh, the lull between uh, the Hasselbeck and the T Jack and and Charlie Whitehurst and yeah. some of those really fun years is what I got to deal with. God rest his soul. I mean, I don't want to make fun of T Jack. I mean, just you know, it's just one yeah. of those things. No, he was he was actually a really great guy. Yeah, I, I met him a few times, and he was a very very nice very nice individual. I was actually really really hurt to hear the story of him passing recently. So. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of old news now, but for people who don't know, Viking fans out there, Tavares Jackson died. What was it? Was like right before the COVID crisis, wasn't it? In a car accident, it I do was, believe. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was right in the first few weeks of it. It was like back in, I believe, March and in, in a car accident. Yeah. Oh, awful. Well, the reason yeah. that I got a hold of you, we're friends on Facebook, and this is a, a story that's been so, told so much, and it's obviously gotten national attention. I guess, you know, Seattle, Washington uh, State has been in the really in the focus point of a lot of the COVID stuff, but then, of course, after everything that happened just on the road here down in Minneapolis with uh, George Floyd and then the talk about defunding the police, much attention, including from the President of the United States, has been on the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, better known as Chaz. And John, if you go to my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, I shared it. He actually kind of went through there, and it was a little bit different picture that when we're kind of seeing from what we get from the cable news outlets. So would that be safe to say, John? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, it's 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 kind of funny because like some of the they've been focusing a lot on like the the negative part of it, the you know the the fact that the, the police have abandoned the precinct in that area, and the, there's a lot of talk about. You know, there's just not being any any laws going on there, and, and people just running around muck and stuff like that. When in reality, from my perception, it's just been like a street fair. It's like what you said yesterday when we were talking. It reminded you of Potato Days. It looked like Potato Days. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's you know, I mean, there's a serious topic behind it, but I mean, it's a lot of people just hanging out and. You know, I don't know how much of that has to do with people just being frustrated of being cooped up in their houses for the past three months or what. But there's a, you know, there's, there's vendors handing out things and selling things, and you know, having people sign up to vote and talking about different political activism things. And you know, it's just uh, it, it's it's not. I've never gotten the impression that it's a dangerous place, which is what I was seeing from a lot of the, uh, especially Fox News. But I mean, even CNN was was focusing on that for a while. And, you know, that's why I wanted to go out there with my camera and just kind of document it and show people like, Hey, this is not as bad as they're, they're making it out to be. Now, granted, there have been talk about weapons being out there and people being armed and stuff like that. I have not seen that. I am not saying that that isn't there. I'm just telling people that I have not personally seen it. Well, so it, that's my take on it. I think the perception when you see the headlines, I mean, what I normally see was like a big, 
what you'd see from like the cable news outlets who I, you know, and maybe you disagree with me, but I think the three, and it doesn't matter what side you're on, it's almost like everything is fear, and I call it fear porn all the time for everything going on. And the one item I saw was you'd see the plywood, right? And it was like, go yeah. behind this door. It almost looked like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now type of setting, right? And that's what they made it, the imagery of it. And when, you, like I said, when you showed the video, that which I shared on my personal Facebook page, it looked like the Fargo Street Fair or the combination of the Shady Hollow Flea Market out at Detroit Lakes. It was like, okay, it was just a little different than uh, what the perception has been. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of graffiti that's been been drawn on the walls, and there's, you know, so there has been some vandalism. You know, I, I, I'm not going to deny that, but but there's also been, you know, a lot of people doing art and just like taking chalk and drawing on the streets and you know, sitting around and, and playing games. And like, I, I went out there on Friday night and there was a huge dodgeball game being played in the park. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, for the most part, it's actually just a very happy um, environment and people are just, you know, trying to like educate themselves. And on the weekends, uh, right in front of the, the former police precinct, they've set up a stage and people have just been getting on the stage and talking and sharing their stories of, of, of what's happened with them, you know, as far as race relations in, in the past. And I, I, I honestly opened this dialogue because I think that this is way better than people walking around and just chanting out and screaming and yelling at each other and stuff like that. It's, you know, like actually hearing stories and kind of getting a personal perspective of what people have had to go through over the past centuries, you know, is, uh, is, it's, it's kind of nice and it's kind of, it's, it's given me, it's opened my eyes up to a very different perspective because I mean, you know, growing up in Barnesville in the, in the early nineties, you know, we didn't have to deal with a lot of race no. issues like, like, like people here in Seattle do have to deal with. So it's been very eye opening for me to, to at least, you know, see, hear what these people have had to say and kind of get a different perspective of, of what's going on in the world. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point. The word that you use that I don't think there's enough of, and is dialogue, right? And, and, and let, let's mm-hmm. let's bring the sports back into this for a second sure. because, you know, you, you were right. In the, we we both love football, or whatever. And the, what I've always said about the Colin Kaepernick situation, and you see it trickling, down, you know, right now, which drives me crazy. Is forget about how to act during the national anthem in that dialogue because that that distracts us from what he originally took the knee for. Now I do blame Ca- Colin Kaepernick for not trying to move the f- conversation further on. But I also blame the NFL and many other leaders for not trying to have the conversation about what the actual concern is, social injustices, and also how that bridge can be with the law enforcement and African-American communities. Heck, I would say minority communities when it comes to their dealing with law enforcement. But that never moved on. It seems like we're going back to the talk about the national anthem. And I guess dialogue is what we need when, it all, when it's all said and done. And from what you're saying there is I like that a lot more than – you know, just kind of walking around and breaking stuff and then having, you know, be, us being so divided on which side is right because I don't think it's really that definite of a line. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and I mean, the hard part is that when, you know, when the protests did start out here, the first the first true day of the protesting was a Saturday. And I don't know if you saw any of the videos of it, but it got violent. I mean, it got, it got really out of hand and, like, cars got lit on fire downtown and windows got broken into and, you know, all that stuff, the problem is the people that are outside of Seattle who don't see how that came to that, all we see is the, the fires on the cars and the people climbing into the cheesecake factory, stealing whole cheesecakes and walking out with them. And, and they, you know, they, they focus on that part is like, oh, you know, all this stuff is like bad because it just ruins businesses and stuff like that. And I'm not going to, 
deny that. That's you know, I, I don't like the protest thing and where it goes to that point. But right. but when people sit down and actually have calm discussions about this stuff, I think things can change. You know, and it, I think it went too far there, but I think we've kind of pulled back in the complete opposite end. Yeah, no question. So, uh, John Fish is with us. He is also a Barnesville native like I am and uh, has been out in Seattle for quite some time. He had a great video. You can go to my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, and see what he did when he went through Chaz. Uh, that has been in the national news so much. The Seattle police chief has been really all over the national news and has kind of taken a, a stance of we're not going to really go and charge and create a problem that isn't really there. What's your take on how that has been playing out and really what Seattle's thought of her and her leadership role in this? The the entire leadership in Seattle right now has been is really being questioned both from the mayor and the, the police chief, the city council, like everybody's kind of under fire right now. Cause I don't think anybody has the right answer. And I think that they're kind of, I feel like they've been doing a lot of like backpedaling on things. Like they they'll come out and say they're they're going to do this and they'll do something different, and they say they're not going to do this and they do it anyway. They um, like just case in point, they they put out a rule saying that they weren't going to use tear gas for 30 days while this is all going on, and then two days later they they tear gas the crowd. So mm-hmm. there's been a lot of like people just don't trust anybody right now, especially the police. And so honestly, I think at first when they when they said they were going to move out of the East Precinct and, and abandon the building. I, I was scared to death. I thought this was going to be the end of it. I thought this was going to be a you know, huge rise and the building was going to burn down and everything. And I was completely wrong. It, it like the complete opposite happened. Like people went in and just, you know, took it over and just became a, a safe zone basically. And so I don't, I mean, it, it's hard to say what's going to happen down the future. They, they see that they're going to try and make some moves to, make it better and safer for people to to protest and get their voices heard. And I'm not going to lie, Seattle probably leads the world in the number of protests held every single year. I mean, this town loves a protest for the wind changing. So, (laughs) so, I mean, if that's the case, like I, you know, again, if if, if if what they're going to do leads to it being safer for both the police and the protesters, I'm all for it. Like, you know, I just, I don't want anybody hurt is really what it comes down to is my perspective because you know, I you know, I, I I just don't want anybody hurt. I want I want everybody to be able to have their voice heard and to do it in a safe way. No, so. I think that's the way. I think, and really, I think that's what most Americans really want right now. It's just that the yeah. po- the political division on this is really crazy too, right? And certainly, you're sitting in in, in Seattle. It's a, I don't know if outstate Washington state is kind of like it is here, you know, where you have Minneapolis, it's pretty liberal, and then it gets more conservative as you go outwards. Is it kind of the same way there, too? Yeah, there's a, there's a bubble right around Seattle, Tacoma, Everett, that is very liberal. And then, man, you go 30 miles to the east, and you're, you know, you see Trump flags everywhere. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very, very, very like, like Minnesota in that sense. Yeah. I, what was it like for you being from Barnesville and then, you know, seeing everything that took place with the Minneapolis police, I don't know, you know, if you really have the background. Well, I'd say even go back to the 90s when you were going to high school, college, or whatever, there still was a, a little bit of a reputation for Minneapolis police being rough and tumble. And I always said it was kind of a uh, simmering point. It had to be weird for you to see your home state kind of really affect the world. I mean, we, not just the United States with protests all over, but it's happened globally here. Oh, yeah, totally is. It's uh, it kind of blew my mind seeing that this that this even could happen no matter what. Like the minute I saw the video for it, I like I just remember cringing and going, 
crap, this is going to start something big. Yeah. And I, I just knew it. Like, I don't know why I, I had that feeling, but I did. And I was right. It, this has started. In, I, I mean, to be honest with you, have you seen anything like this since the L.A. riots back in the early 90s? No, and, and we've had that conversation. There's some similarities, yeah. but there's obviously some differences. I mean, the biggest oh, difference, sure. the biggest yeah, difference it's not- is it's gone, you know, certainly nationwide, and you're having a lot more. Well, it's gone international. Right. It's gone nationwide. It, and I mean, but I mean, ever since that, nothing has hit this hard. Maybe no. the Ferguson riots back in 2016, no, was that? 15? Whatever. But I mean, that was as close as it's gotten, but it's, it's never been as bad as, you know, like no one paid so much attention like they have in the past 30 years. And so, you know, like, I didn't expect it to go this viral and like go this international, but I knew it was going to be a big deal. Well, and, it, uh, it, it's interesting because I had this conversation with a young person who works with us, and, and I, I tried comparing the two because, you know, racial tensions after Rodney King were at its height, right? I mean, and, and it was mm-hmm. it was bad, and I would argue a lot of that, not just the economics, but really cost George H.W. Bush's, you know, second term because mm-hmm. of the handling of that and kind of the disconnect. But it was really at a simmering point there, but we never came to any conclusions, unfortunately. Sure. And here we are. And part of it was because I think most people, you know, average, you know, mid, you know, sitting here in the upper Midwest type of white people and whatever, we're just going, oh my God, look at what, look at what they're doing to their own community. They didn't really hit, but now it's different in that sense. I mean, I still think it was about as much tension as ever, if not more, because I think racism was probably more prevalent behind the scenes. But now we have a situation where everyone's saying, okay, enough's enough. And I think that's coming yeah. from every race, which is a good thing, I think, to move along this dialogue. And not to forget that we still have law enforcement out there. No matter who they stop, no matter what color, they don't know if that's their last, last traffic stop that they'll ever have. Does that make any sense? I mean, that we, oh, yeah. we have to yeah, have this balance. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, I think, uh, you know, as I said, like just going out there and talking to some of these people, like, you know, my eyes have become a lot more open to what is happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I've seen a lot of people, people that I think you probably even know from our days back in Barnesville who've been posting things on social media and, you know, like posting things like, you know, if you, uh, you know, things like this won't happen if you, if you don't break the law and stuff like that. And I, it, it makes me kind of sad. Seeing oh, it's, it makes me cringe. It's too simplistic. Yeah. It, it, it's not that easy, and the, the you know that's not the point that these people are trying to make. The point that they're trying to make is that these people may not have done anything bad, but they're still getting profiled for it, and they're still getting called out for it. And you know, as I said, growing up in Barnesville, I didn't see any of that stuff, so it took me a long time to open my eyes to that stuff. But since moving out of Barnesville, moving to St. Louis, moving to Seattle, moving to South Carolina. I have seen that firsthand. I have, you know, it's never happened to me, and I never will say it did ever happen to me, but I have witnessed it. And so my eyes have become a lot more open that this stuff does happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, that's honestly why I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation with you is because I think a lot of people back home just, you know, they, they may not get it just because they haven't seen it. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just how life is, you know? Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point. I, I joked uh, actually with a, a friend of mine who's now the uh, – He's African American now, the mayor of Moorhead. I said to him a long time ago. I said, you know, when I first, when I first shaved my head in 1997, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of made it fashionable. So, and I was <laughs> losing my hair, so I just shaved my head totally. When that first uh-huh. happened in the late 90s, you know, people look at me weir- weird. I think even law enforcement look at me weird. And I thought to myself, I can't imagine what some like him or you know, if they feel like they're profiled, it's got to be like ten times that on steroids, right? 
just yeah. because just because of the color of their skin. And that was kind of an eye-opening thing to me that the little bit I went through in a short time where until it really became fashionable, people would stare at you. I can't imagine what it was like being here in Fargo-Moorhead because a lot of people don't understand <laughs> You know, in the early '90s, when you and I were in high school, there weren't a lot of minorities. You know, I guess a lot, a lot of the migrant workers maybe, you know, stayed here instead of going back to South Texas. You know, and that was, mm-hmm. you know, when the beet farming, you know, and we had Roundup ready and all that. That changed, but it was really outside of maybe on the basketball court or football field at NDSU. There just weren't a lot of minorities around here, and it certainly no. changed. It's much more of a melting pot now here in this yeah, area too. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's a big. Fargo a better place. The more the you know diversity you can filter into Fargo, it you know it just helps everybody out and gets people a little more awake to what's happening. Yeah, no, so I, I agree with you. Well, and I don't know if you knew this, we had a little incident here a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday night in downtown Fargo. I mean, tear gas in downtown Fargo usually doesn't happen. I, I don't think it's happened in my lifetime. So <laughs> I don't think tear gas in Fargo has ever in, in North Dakota has ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know of, unless there are some times in the 60s before you and I were yeah. born, when our parents were uh, around, you know, that maybe that, that and, and Dragon Broadway, maybe a little bit more, but uh, that was a little different. Well, John, I do encourage people, if you want to go to my Facebook page or if you want to go to John's to see his video, I thought it was a really eye-opening thing compared to what we're seeing with some of the national media. And as you know, someone with a journalism background, does that drive you crazy that it seems like there's more of a political narrative that they want to put out than actually what's going on? Because it wouldn't be all that much to go actually have someone go take some video down there. Is it happening locally any, anywhere? Or? Say that one more time. Well, I mean, you just went down there with a camera, and, and that's not what we're seeing. So as a journalist uh, with a journalism background, does it dr- drive you crazy that we aren't seeing pictures like what you put forth on social media? It seems to be just more of a, a divisive type of narrative from Chaz. I think that the local media is doing a better job of it than the national media. If you go to the Seattle Times, Cairo TV, King 5, I think they're doing a good job of displaying what's really going on. I think it's when you get outside of Seattle and start seeing the national stuff, that's when it gets a little skewed, which obviously you guys don't see the local TV stations. You know, you can you can go on their websites and look at it, but right. it's so much easier to get the news straight from Fox News, CNN, and NBC News, et cetera, and just get what they're, what they're saying as opposed to just going to our, our local stuff and seeing it. So, um, you know, I mean – Honestly, you could call me up another day. We could have a whole other discussion just on how the media is, is in general these days. Uh, yeah, well, that could fill up. <laughs> you know, it's funny. A good friend of mine, Matt O'Lean, uh, and you know, us three with journalism degrees and backgrounds, it's it's been a little troublesome. And I think what it's come to, you know, the little engine that could CNN during the Gulf War back in 1991 when I was a senior in high school and and got the scoop inside Baghdad during the Iraq war is not what it used to be. I mean, it's just, no. those three networks are now are just essentially political talk shows with yeah. me, and that's all they are right now. So they, they went from actually being journalists to being columnists. Yeah. If you use any newspaper perspective, they don't talk, they don't share the news or what's happening. They talk, they give opinions all the time. They do analysis and opinions, and and it's so skewed. It's it's basically you have to draw a line in the sand. I'm either going to be liberal or I'm going to be conservative on which side I'm going to watch, and then. Nobody's like listening to both sides. Like they're they're just sticking to their one side because they don't agree with the other side. And I feel like just politics in general, we've become so split. Like we used to be like a lot more moderate, and like people used to like politicians used to like cross sides and like would do what's right for the people that are, they actually are representing. Now they're just all party lines. Period. 
Yeah, and and and, and God forbid you don't pick one of the sides too. That's what really bothers me. Is that, and I don't yeah. like I don't like either party fully. So it's it's really hard for me because we're on an island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I I try to be unbiased and like just keep my eyes open and just soak up information and make a decision based on what I've learned. You know, but you know, out here even it's. I mean, I'm I'm like probably one of the most liberal cities in America, and so like growing up from a, a far more conservative area in Minnesota, it's been actually very interesting because I feel like I'm kind of the balance out here. Like when I talk with my coworkers who are just so, you know, birdie supporters and socialist pushing people, yeah. and then I'm come from a more conservative background where like I kind of like try to like have a conversation. It's like, well, okay, I see what you're getting at, but let's, you know, let's try and like, you know, let's look at both sides for just a few minutes, even if you don't agree with it. And, so often they never even hear that percept that that side perspective because none of their friends are you know thinking anything different than, right. than the way they think about it. So, and then of course, yeah. and it, it, it's we so got really political tonight, didn't we? <laughs> well, I mean, but it's, I think it's hard not to talk about Chaz and get political, especially when you have the president exactly. m- making comments about it, right? I mean, then yeah. then you got the governor shooting back at him, so it just it's governor and the and the, the mayor, the mayor, yeah, yeah they uh, they both kind of fought back at him pretty hard. It's it's hard to get away from it right now with you, when you have such a you know with the emotion so split on the guy who's in the White House right now too. Yeah, John, this is fun. We're gonna have to do this again because we will have to get yeah. into a, a thing about the media because I've been very critical about it and just the lack of journalism, especially from those three and really, I would say influencers on cable news. So we'll have to do that again soon. Again, I thank you for uh, posting that video and I hope that mo- more people go and check and check it out on Facebook. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It was, it was a great conversation. And yes, let's definitely talk more about the, about what's going on. Again, that's John Fish. Used to work for the Seattle Times, covering the Seahawks and many other things uh, sports-wise out in the uh, Emerald City there. And uh, Barnes Native, along with me, so just kind of fun to hear his perspective and just uh, quite a video. And I think it does show really how I've been critical of uh, – what's been going on with the national, especially the three cable news outlets and what's going on in Seattle, just not giving you the real picture of what actually is taking place there. I just, it's one of those things. I think it's more to try to divide us. Drives me crazy. All right. This is couch potato radio. Derek Hansen with you. If you want to join us, two, three, seven, five, nine, four, eight, we will have twins classic radio on the way. Game one of the 1987 World Series between the Twins and the Cardinals at the Metrodome on the way on the mighty 790 KFGO.